Welcome back to the BTC Podcast. My name is Nick Demento, and we've made it. The NBA Finals have finished. The Lakers took down the Miami Heat in six games. LeBron James takes home his fourth title ever, and the Lakers take home their 12th title. You may ask, wait, I thought they won 17. No, they won five in Minnesota. Do not argue with me on this. I am ready to die on this <laughs> fucking hill. Coming right away with that, huh? That doesn't, it doesn't count. You don't like the blue jerseys or what? Here's my argument. Okay, I am a Memphis Grizzlies fan. The Grizzlies used to be in Vancouver. If mm-hmm. Vancouver won a title, I don't give a shit. I wasn't celebrating in the streets when if when this metaphorical, or not metaphorical, theoretical Vancouver team won a title. I would be absolutely rioting in the streets if the Memphis Grizzlies won a title. It's just... People in L.A. did not care when Minnesota won a title. Simple as that. So, sorry, Lakers. You have 12 titles. The L.A. Lakers have 12 yeah. titles. The Lakers have 17. So, let me ask you this. If the Grizzlies moved to a now tertiary city, say they became the St. Louis or Kansas City Grizzlies, don't would even, you celebrate don't that even, title? No, we're not even entertaining this awful scenario. <laughs> don't you put that evil on me michael don't you (laughs) say man markets are in the need seattle i wouldn't mind you guys becoming the sonics i i'm going to have some very harsh words for you after this besides the point Uh, lakers are besides the point michael thank you for joining us on the podcast today oh yeah by the way michael costello another btc member yes feeling good grateful as always to have you on it was honestly one of the best playoffs I've ever seen in my life. We have multiple totally 3-1 comebacks, multiple just duels between all-star players. And it all ended up in, which was, it was a series that I had predicted in drawing my Drawing Up podcast. I had predicted Lakers in six. Uh, but it was definitely not the route I expected to get there. I did not expect after Bam and Goran to go down for this Heat team to fight and to make the Lakers play a game six. And when this game was about to start, it really, I was very nervous for the Lakers because it felt like one of those things that if you go to a game seven against this Heat team, I have no idea how it's going to go. And I had no idea how this game was going to go. And what we got was to be honest, a bloodbath. Just from the from the gun, the Lakers just steamrolled the heat. And my first take from that was that this Heat team, since they were down two of their best players, and even when those players came back, they seemed hobbled. They seemed 60-80% of what they were. They had to play absolutely out of their minds to win. We, For the Heat to win, you needed Jimmy Butler to play 47 minutes in a Game 5. We saw the repercussions of that in this game. We saw that the Heat yeah. were just exhausted. Michael, what do you think about how the Heat played, how the Lakers came out, and just your overall thoughts on the game? Honestly, you 
kind of said it. The Lakers steamrolled them. It was clear. Miami played an incredible game. The Lakers were pissed that they didn't win in their Mamba jerseys. They felt like they had it at the end, and it got away from them in Game 5. And then tonight, they just flat out talented Miami at every single level. It was 64-36 to at the half, which is a 28-point lead. And 36 points and a half is the lowest the Heat had in a half like by far. It was the lowest of any team in the playoffs by far. It makes you wonder. Just, I mean, absolutely unreal. Why the Lakers and let it get so close at all? One thing I will. I think attri- it was a. I think it was a rest factor or an exhaustion factor, but the Lakers are just so much better than the Heat. They made that evident today or last night. For sure, and we definitely saw a coming down to earth with the Heat. While yeah. you saw a couple threes from Duncan Robinson, a couple plays here and there. We finally saw Tyler Hero playing like a rookie. We saw Kendrick Nunn playing like a rookie. Bam, and even Goran Dragic, who made, well, I'll say, like, props to him for making that comeback. That's a tough thing to do. I cannot imagine how much painkillers they injected into his foot uh, just to try to get on the court. But it really didn't make an impact. You could tell those guys were hobbled. The Lakers were attacking them on defense. I really felt that Bam was hurting every single time he lifted his hands above his shoulders. Yeah. So, just the lack of rest and the fact that the bubble, we've seen an unprecedented amount of games played in a short period of time. The entire playoffs, these guys have basically been playing back-to-back or at the most having one or two days of rest. They're just not used to that, even with their overloaded schedule so it just it finally came back to haunt the heat but the heat didn't say die i did feel like the body language towards the end was kind of lacking from the heat but that was a team that especially jimmy butler they at least they did not go down like a you know yeah they didn't go out with a whimper jimmy played 44 minutes bam played 42 Mm -hmm. and bam had great numbers his best numbers of the series 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists on 10 to 15 from the field in those 42 minutes, which is almost the entire game. But most of the game was garbage time, so you don't want to call his points hollow. Nobody on the Heat had even half of that. His 25, next highest was 12. But his 25, 10, and 5 didn't end up being impactful. And same with Jimmy. It was amazing, the Lakers' defense all night. I think that's what we'll take away from the game the most is the Lakers were this defensive beast all season, the number one defense, just a bunch of amazing defenders. And then we asked questions whether their offense could keep up. And tonight it didn't matter. They held the heat to just 93 points, and every single look was unbelievably tough, and you had to work for it. Like, Jimmy was averaging 29. He had a 40-point game earlier in the series heading into tonight. And he took 10 shots in 44 minutes because there was just nothing there. They just put him in prison. He wasn't even getting bad shots. He wasn't getting shots. So hats off to the Lakers defense, their performance of the playoffs, really the whole team's performance of the playoffs, saved it for the last game. Yeah, and I definitely I want to commend Frank Vogel for making what was a very ballsy decision to – take out Dwight Howard from your starting lineup when you've been starting 
either Dwight or JaVale McGee all season long and deciding to insert Alex Caruso in there. Because while that completely kind of changes like the rhythm of the team, while AD's so used to playing at that four spot, AD at that roaming five where he's just kind of marking the paint like a freaking safety. It's unreal what AD can do defensively. And that's what the mm-hmm. Lakers have been good at as a whole all year is that these guys, they don't depend on one-on-one defense. The help defense is always there. They are always clogging the passing lanes. They are long and they are active. And yep, Big they, too. they were active to perfection tonight. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And it's it's such a testament to what defense means in the NBA now because they're one of the only teams that really put an emphasis on that. We've seen such this huge switch towards offense, towards the three-pointer. But Frank Vogel, which he really fulfilled my test of a good coach, which is a good coach does not just install a system. A good coach creates a system based on the players he has. And he saw that he had LeBron, not historic three-point shooting, while he is definitely not horrendous. It's definitely not his strongest suit. Same with AD. Didn't have a bunch of strong three-point shooters, really, besides Danny Green, who was horrendous during the playoffs. But he made a system that fit those guys, saying, let's be active on defense. Let's be hard. Let's make every basket. You're going to have to not go through just one guy. You can't just ISO us. You have to go through all five of us if you want this. Yeah, and like you said, suiting it to his players – Nobody in the NBA, like you said, seems to play defense on purpose, really, the way the Lakers do. The Clippers have an immense amount of defensive talent, but they don't swallow you whole the way the Lakers' defense can. Or the Bucks. The Bucks have a multitude of great defenders, but they don't use it to play like early 2000s Pistons type of basketball. They just individually have lots of moments of greatness, whereas the Lakers are so skilled and so talented even if they're a little bit older with some players like Dwight or Rondo they know what they're doing so well and they're so bought in that I always say team defense is so much more important than individual defense reasons why Robert Covington is such a star even if somebody else can lock down one-on-one more and the Lakers are so intelligent and so well coached LeBron Danny Green AD Caruso all defensive positives Rondo's a defensive positive at least in the playoffs Dwight Howard's a huge positive in his role like it came together for them this series and it comes together for them when they want and that's a scary thought going forward because defense ages a lot better than offense mm-hmm. and watching AD tonight I mean, I'm absolutely convinced that if he just played an entire season at the five, if he committed to being an all-time five, he's got to be a lock for defensive player of the year. Yeah. It's unreal the impact he has there where he's the primary paint protector. Now, historically, he hasn't liked that role. But I think, I mean, the way the NBA's aging, he's got to embrace yeah. it. Especially when... A lot of guys he's going up against 
in these big time games. You know, he went up against Jokic in the Western Conference Finals. Went up against Bam in this series. A lot of these guys are bigs. A lot of the guys he's got to match up with are bigs. Yeah. Yeah, so most I- teams aren't playing two bigs, and you have to counter that. And AD has been very, very hesitant to play the five, like you've said. He calls himself a true power forward all the time. But I would guess that he likes this feeling of holding the Larry O'Brien trophy a lot more than he dislikes playing center. Mm-hmm. And I think this glory, the likes of which he's never come close to in his career before, is going to have a lasting impact on the dude who's still just 27. If yep. he buys into playing center all year again, like you said, next year, the defensive player of the year that he thinks he should have won that Giannis took, he'll probably win. The Lakers will be just as good, if not better, next season, which is super scary. And something I did not expect with how old LeBron will be, 36. Maybe by the time next season even starts, his birthday is December 30th. And I didn't expect the Lakers to be so great this year. I expected them to win, but I expected it to be one and done. But they look like they could be better next year. This was their first year with LeBron and AD. And if AD buys into the five, like you say, it's a terrifying thought. He's yeah. an all-time big. Especially since Anthony Davis is this guy that his entire life, you know, he grew up playing point guard. And then he mm-hmm. has his unreal growth spurt, which I, I don't know. Where's mine? I would love that. Yeah, I'm still waiting on mine at 23. Yeah, like, <sighs> genetics is bullshit. <laughs> Side the point. He has his tremendous growth spurt, then becomes a power forward. But he's someone that he's shown a willingness to, because of what his team needs, he'll grow with it. He'll grow into that position. And I really think he could embrace that role at the five next year. And if he does, I think the Lakers can be even better. Especially since LeBron James, I mean, we want to talk about genetics. What the hell is LeBron doing with aging? Like, yeah. he's got something else going on. Now, LeBron, his entire career has been a guy that's very much dedicated to his body. He puts exactly what he needs to into his body. And even as he is aged, I really believe LeBron has taken a step back in just a tiny bit. In that explosiveness that we saw at the beginning of his career towards that pure athleticism. But he made up for that in just the raw strength that he has put on. And he really can just play bully ball now. He doesn't need to be faster than guys because he can just freaking run through you like a freight train. He's mixing between like John Wall towards Shaq like a blend in between both in terms of his physical dominance. And it's terrifying, dude. Like, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. And the fact that he's doing it at 35, soon to be 36, makes me know that I can never write him off. So if AD takes a step forward at center next year, LeBron's going to continue to do his thing at point guard and continue to do his thing as LeBron James. Man. It's scary to think that the Lakers could be better. And the thing about LeBron, too, is that his strength, his athleticism, was never his greatest asset as a basketball player. It's his basketball IQ. It's his passing ability. (laughs) And this is something that's only grown the older he's gotten. Even as a 35-year-old, he knows how to make everyone around him better. 
So this is a Lakers team that is probably going to see some roster turnover. They have a bunch of guys on that will be free agents this summer that I assume will sign back. I assume most of these guys seem like they want to run it back. But you could yeah. add an improvement here and there. It doesn't matter because LeBron will identify what this guy needs and will promote that guy to do what he does well the best that he can. And that's exactly. what makes LeBron James so dangerous. That is the reason why LeBron James is the first player in NBA history to go to three separate teams and win a title. It's because that no matter what team he is on, he's going to make everyone else on that team better. Yeah. Like you said, with three different teams, he's the best all-around basketball player we've ever seen or will ever see. With those Heat titles, the first of the three teams, he's basically playing power forward, just being a beast inside and letting other guys move around him every single night. And then the Cleveland title... He was six foot eight Russell Westbrook, who could also shoot. He was putting the team on his back at pure small forward, being the best small forward we've ever seen. And then he comes to the Lakers, the third of the teams, and he's playing point guard straight up, gets an assist title. One of six dudes to ever have an assist title and a scoring title in the same career. And he had the biggest gap between the two by double. It was a, uh, what's this year, 20? 11 or 12 year gap nobody else's was bigger than five years it's unreal and he could do it again based on what happens like we haven't seen shooting guard lebron yet right or center lebron yet right so i mean at this rate i'm convinced that my body's going to break down before lebron yeah i am i am 24 years old i'm pretty confident in that just if Uh, we're 50th percentile males like it's certainly probable like it's just it's something different and we really are we are only seeing the beginning of this and i think before this season started and this is something that everyone that follows the nba falls victim to is recency bias we had just come off this season where the lakers didn't even make the playoffs you know lebron misses the playoffs yep. for the first time the only time first in time this ever been decade, injured in his career and we looked at that season and we said, oh, they gave up too much for Anthony Davis. An aging LeBron's not going to be able to do it because we were so hyper-focused on that season. But you, we, got, we forgot that, oh, shit, the Lakers have two of the top five players in the NBA. Who else has that? The Clippers didn't have it. The Rockets didn't have it. Portland didn't have it. You know, no one that the Lakers had to go yep. through had close to the caliber of these two guys. And we were so just discombobulated with what Kwai had done in Toronto and then him coming to the Clippers. Everyone thinks that the Clippers are the ones that are going to run L.A. And they give up a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. We really forgot that LeBron, the previous eight years, had been to the finals. We erased all of that because of one very weird season where i will argue that lebron probably wasn't even that hurt he just decided that uh, we're just gonna punt punt on this season yeah and the rest paid off absolutely paid off and i mean i cannot believe that lawrence frank won executive of the year because that (laughs) yeah that should be a golden trophy on rob polinka's bookshelf 
on its nightstand. I don't know where I would put that. Fuck it, I would, like, sleep with that thing. I would have a pillow. Yeah. Pillow trophy. That'd be kind of sick. Uh, besides the yeah, point. dude. Because he orchestrated a trade for Anthony Davis that at the time was the biggest trade, like, ever for first-round picks. You know, Brandon Ingram, who was an all-star this year. And then the Clippers go even more in. Now, what makes that AD trade so interesting is that he set the market so that someone else had to top him. So he almost was able to handicap the Clippers that way because they knew that they had to go bigger than he went for AD. Especially since people were criticizing the Anthony Davis trade so much. Like, this Lakers team gets nowhere near where they got this year with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo. And everyone that yeah. was so poo-pooing that trade, I don't know where your head <laughs> was at. Because at, sometimes at the end of the day, you just got to look at the skills of the guy. And at the end of the day, the Lakers just had two of the potentially best players in the league. And in the end, it paid off. Yeah, I agree. We do that with superstar trades all the time is, oh, well, they gave up too much and it's always overthinking it. And it's always, if you got a superstar, it's super hard to lose the trade. If you have somebody as good as Anthony Davis, it's almost impossible to lose that trade, right? And what I always say is you didn't overpay in a trade or in a contract if you win it all. Like, for instance... Patrick Mahomes, you could pay him $150 million a season, but he's not overpaid if you win the Super Bowl, right? Because that's the ultimate goal. So it's the same thing with Anthony Davis. And they clearly won the championship, so anything after this is gravy. For sure. I don't know what the next superstar trade is, but I'm sure we'll do it again. Yeah. And the other thing that everyone was harping on the Lakers about is, oh my God, look at their supporting cast. They have Dwight Howard, they have Rondo, they have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Like, how are these guys yeah. going to support them to the finals? But that's why you have these two guys. You have these superstar players because, and I, I will be the first one to admit, Contavious Caldwell-Pope isn't that great of a player. I don't, is he that good of a player on a, you know, 30-win team? No. But when he's with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, those guys take up so much focus, so much attention. It gives those guys all the room in the world yeah. to thrive. And at the end of the day, these are professional fucking basketball players. They can hit an open jumper. They can make a, you know, they can make a good drive. Every once in a while, they're going to make a play that is kind of out of their league especially when all the focus is on these other guys. So having LeBron and AD, it almost doesn't matter who or what you put around them. Because you maximize pro- them. Like, if we put a donkey in the corner, that, that donkey is going to be pretty good at basketball during that game. Yep. That's an over-exaggeration. People don't, don't at me there. But you get what I mean. LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to make everyone around them better. And this was the this was the team that the Lakers committed to early on. This was the team they wanted to make. And it worked out. 
Yeah, I agree. And the fact that the tip of, it's the tip of the iceberg is so exciting to me. Like we talked about their road being super hard and some people also think it was super easy to this ring. But imagine next year they could catch the Nuggets in the first round or the Rockets or the Blazers again. And then in the next two rounds have to play the Warriors and the Clippers. And then waiting for them in the finals would be the Bucks or the Nets. So mm-hmm. I know it's early, but... I think basketball is in a really great place right now, and I think the Lakers both benefit from that and perpetuate it. For sure. And I don't want to forget about the Heat because I really feel like the Heat are an organization and they're a team that they're leaving this, they're leaving the bubble thinking, we're coming back. We're fucking motivated as ever. We are coming back here. We are going to win it because that's the way that organization works. They, don't sulk about their losses. They say, okay, what happened here? How do we make it better? And let's get after it. And, and I, they know they didn't get here by accident. Ab- absolutely. They were one they know of the greatest the team in the East. Yep. And they only have room to improve. Bam can only go up. Tyler Hero can only go up. Kendrick Dunn can only go up. Duncan Robinson, you know, is potentially one of the best shooters in the league now. And this finals, if you're the Heat, was a calling card to the rest of the league. Hey, guys, you want to win? Do you want to win and live in a place with great weather that might possibly hit with hurricanes every once in a while? But besides the point, uh, then come to Miami. They've got over 50 million cap space this offseason. Sign anybody they want. Sign two guys they want trade for somebody and this was jimmy's first year there like we talked a lot about ad and lebron's first year together this was jimmy's first year and he had no ad and he went all the way to the finals and won two games mm-hmm. with all the injuries so i don't want to write off the heat at all and that's scary too that's eight teams that could compete for a championship yep and unfortunately, we do not know exactly when the NBA is going to be coming back. Uh, right. We hope it's soon. But at the end of the day, we are very thankful that the NBA was able to put together this bubble safely. Oh, hats off to that effort, really. 10 Zero. out of 10. Yes, a great product. I never felt that the lack of fans really harmed the product in any way, shape, or form. And the NBA really did what they set out to do. They made a great environment, a safe environment, while still promoting the social justice message that they wanted to promote. And just all just all the applause in the world yep. to the NBA for that. And... This was one of the better playoffs, one of the better seasons that I probably will ever see. And I was glad to see it. And Michael, it's been a pleasure talking about it with you. Oh, yeah, for real. I'm excited for next year, like I keep saying. And hopefully, like, the early things that I've heard have been the NBA doesn't want this to COVID and everything, the delay, affect a bunch of future seasons. So, for all we know, they could have a 45-game regular season and play the next finals again in June. Mm -hmm. There's nothing concrete to that, but I think that would be nuts, dude. 
having two NBA drafts in seven or eight months, two finals in seven or eight months, two free agencies. Oh, man. Well, it's important to note that this is, in many ways, a a 12-month-a-year league. You know, free agency is always happening. and Most interesting offseason of the major sports by far. Yep, and since the NBA doesn't end, neither does ball things considered. So I thank everyone for listening tonight. Uh, me and Michael really enjoy enjoy talking with each other, and very thankful for everyone that listens. Please check out ballthingsconsidered.com. Please check out our other podcasts, including Drawing It Up, The Half Court Trap, Bush League, and make sure to tune in for next time on Ball Things Considered. Michael, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's all of our pod, but thank you for being the host. And yeah, ballthings.com. Show us love, and we'll get right back to you guys real soon. And with that, we bid you, we bid you good night to the 2020 NBA season.